Beltone Hearing Aid Center presents The Drive. Ready, fight! The Drive. Elmore deep, left side, three, it's good! From 30 feet, John Elmore! The Drive with Paul Swan. Welcome in to the Thursday, December 6th edition. Your drive begins now here on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Later on this hour, we're going to recap Marshall's loss last night to Duquesne 93-82. We'll hear comments from Dan D'Antoni, get his thoughts on why the Thundering Herd just not looking like the team Herd fans are used to. Plus, we'll get your phone calls in at 877-420-TALK. That is 877-420-8255. Well, His time is winding down, so we're going to make the most of it because, well, the end of the professional football season is almost upon us. And so if you're not in playoff shape now, this is maybe one of two last chances you have to get into playoff shape. And the only way you can do that is by sitting down at the feet of the football wizard himself. Joe Bartle joins us from rotowire.com and rotowire magazine. If you've been paying attention to him all season long, you're fine. If not, well, Joe, you're like Santa Claus, man, with last second presents for uh, for non-believers, right? You're here to save them despite themselves. Um, yeah, I can do the best I can and uh unfortunately, like a lot of fantasy owner seasons, my voice is coming to an end as well. I've been struggling through a uh, a little bit of a strep throat and kind of other sickness stuff throughout the week, so I apologize if I am talking a little bit uh, weird. I'm going to do the best I can, but yeah, well, we can try to get the fantasy owners through the playoffs right now. That's the most important thing at this point in the year. Yes, sir. Um, and you know the sad thing is, just uh, looking at the calendar, next week is it, because after that, it's the bowl season, and um, we've got Marshall on the 20th. That's a Thursday, so uh, Thundering Herd football preempting us, and then the holiday bowl season in full effect the following week. So, really, we got to make the most of this time until, Joe, until the resurrection is complete, the XFL, and then we're going to have you on, what, every week, <laughs> every week for eternity because the XFL is back. Football that nobody asked for is back. Yes. Uh, I mean, that's. I, I will have to bone up on my XFL, I'll be honest with you. I know a lot of football, but that is one of the areas that I cannot pretend like I have a lot of expertise in. But uh, I guarantee you that once uh, – well, I know, it, I know it's coming to fruition, but once XFL officially kicks off, Rotowire will have some sort of coverage for it. And frankly, I probably will be the guy that you want to talk to for that because I wear a lot of hats around the office. So, yeah, I, I could see that very well possibly happening. Do you think in this uh, new day and age where we've got um... – yeah, one day fantasy. We've got fantasy football taking off the way it has, and people are so interested in it. You think that might help the league this time? Because really, how are you going to know the players? There's not going to be those headliners, those name guys. These are going to be guys who are hoping to maybe show off enough to get a look from an NFL team, or they're on their last leg. I don't know where they're going to get their players from, but. This will be one way maybe to get uh, a little bit closer to who those players are by actually you know, having to understand, okay, uh, this guy, he's the quarterback. I don't know much about him, but I'm going to start him. Yeah, I think it'll depend on how XFL kind of wants to structure their whole league and organization. If, it, if they're trying to go toe-to-toe with the NFL, I just simply don't think it's going to work. There has to be a different product and a different reason you're tuning in, even if it's the minor leagues of the NFL. I think there will be some interest in that. Obviously, America is a football-first sports 
uh, country, and I, I think that we've seen it with college football, we've seen it with the NFL, and frankly, there probably is room for a third, uh, I, I won't say professional sport, because obviously college football isn't technically professional, but there's there's room for a third football kind of sphere to fit into that space. I don't know when, and I don't really know how they want to do it. To me, that what makes the most sense would be to kind of structure it to the people that you were just describing, the guys that are into the gambling, that are into the daily fantasy, that that could make some fun out of it, despite there not being big names. And then the players themselves targeting guys that still have potential to be in the NFL or could rise to that kind of occasion and that kind of level, getting them when they're younger, um, whether that be before college, kind of like what the G League does for the NBA currently or what it's going to be doing uh, in the very upcoming future. Something like that makes a lot of sense for the XFL. But if they're going to be strictly a, I'm competing with the NFL and we're doing things just like that, I don't think that's going to work, and I don't think like an arena football league type of deal either, where it's 75 yards and you can tackle people over the boundaries and uh, you know like those weird, weird, funky things. I'm not quite sure that's going to work either. It's going to be, it's going to be a slippery slope, I think. But um, you know, there's there's plenty of football to go around in that sense. I'm kind of curious, also, just from a fantasy standpoint. I know we're a little off base here on you know what your expertise is and probably will be with these uh, leagues, but the Alliance of American Football also um, going to have a, uh, a season that was probably going to compete with the XFL. They're going to do a 10-week regular season as well. And I, I'm just kind of con- concerned that we're maybe diluting the product a little too much. I, I love football just as much as, as you do, but after a certain point, it feels like what's the point? Yeah, absolutely. And, and they have to give you a reason to tune in. Like, again, I, I don't know if I'll be watching any of those kind of games on my spare time unless I have to for work-related reasons, uh, unless they gave me a re- reason. Maybe Colin Kaepernick gets to be on a team finally. Like, that's a travesty that he's not in the NFL at this point, given all the backups and backup backups that we've seen this year, uh, and even in past seasons, too. Maybe they bring back a guy like Tim Tebow to get some fan interest. We know that he was doing baseball and kind of moved up the minor leagues just a little bit and had an all-star appearance for the minor leagues, too. Getting guys like that involved in the prospective new football sports, whether it's the XFL or uh, I think it's the AFL, right? Uh, those are, I mean, those are that'd be the way to do it. But I, I just don't, I don't know. Like I, the NFL season gets tiresome too. I mean, you you have news going on from June to February, and I love it. Like that's part of the stuff that makes it so fun. But especially if there's other, you know, bad breaking news that we've kind of seen with Kareem Hunt and stuff like that. That can stretch even into the February, March, April range. And of course, at the NFL draft and free agency too. Like it's almost a year-long sport, and try to throw in other football, it'll be tough. But I don't think it's impossible. Like some people would make it seem. Joining us on the program, he is uh, an expert in football. He's Joe Bartle from RotoWire.com and RotoWire Magazine. He specializes in making sure that you are playing the sport of fantasy football properly and how um, how quickly did you drop AJ Green if you uh, if you hadn't already how quickly did you drop him after um, well let's just say he was out there on the field and it was probably ill-advised yeah that was that was a concern right from the get-go and we had talked about that last week too like as soon as Andy Dalton was out that was a red flag to me for an AJ Green perspective like a Jeff Driscoll's an athlete he's not necessarily a quarterback we kind of saw that on Sunday. I don't know if AJ Green, even if he was fully healthy, was going to be able to do well. It just wasn't wasn't a passer that felt like that would suit to AJ Green's strengths. And he's a supreme talent 
but sometimes you have to have a guy that gets you the ball. I just don't know if Driscoll could do that. So that was a major concern to me. But frankly, having enough owners would have been already anticipating A.J. Green being out even prior to this. I did feel like he came back early. And if you were, you know, had the foresight to kind of see something like this coming, trading him right before that injury or right around that week after, because we kind of didn't know whether it be a multi-week thing, a one-week thing, or it would be a season-long thing. I think there was a lot up in the air. Uh, trading him at that point was probably the best move, and I think that worked out uh, for a couple of owners that I actually kind of gave advice to on that. But it, it's difficult, I, especially not only a guy like Tyler Boyd. You have to wonder what his fantasy value would be. He was a guy that, um, for a late-round pick, really has been one of the darlings of the fantasy season. And I think for the next couple of weeks, we're going to have a really difficult time counting on any production from him because I just don't know what that Bengals offense is going to give you. Is there a situation where there's somebody on that squad you would recommend keeping? Or if I'm a fantasy owner and I've got a guy or two that I was pretty solid with and with everything that's happened, am I looking quickly for uh, somebody to pick up off the waivers? Uh, Obviously trading probably not going to be an option at this point. Yeah, I don't think there's anybody I'd feel comfortable starting other than Joe Mixon. I think Tyler Boyd is firmly in the, the benching category unless I just don't have any other options. And you look at a lot of rosters that have made it to the playoffs, I think they probably don't have better options than Tyler Boyd. So he's more of a wide receiver two or a flex option. But just have the temporary expectations, uh, it's just going to be difficult, I think, to get a lot of production from them until they kind of figure out how they want to use their offense. I think I read that they have a .02% chance of making the playoffs, so it's unlikely that the Bengals even have much to compete for. And that, in alone, has a uh, kind of concerns you have whether you want to start a guy like Tyler Boyd, who has had injury concerns at some point in his career, and even a guy like uh, Giovanni Bernard, who at one point I thought could be a decent flex option, and I don't think that's the case anymore. Wow, 0.2%? I, I didn't know it was that high. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. Lucky you, right? I'm a Packers fan, but I'm at four and six and one, and I think I still have a better uh, chance of making the playoffs than you do. Yeah, you do. Uh, with all the upheaval coming up uh, here in the next few weeks, with the uh, coaching decisions, firings, coaches who are still there, uh, what are you seeing that maybe you're, you're telling people to uh, either uh, take advantage of or shy away from when it comes to some of these matchups, some of these situations, and, and players involved? I think it's difficult to look at it from a season-long perspective. At this point, we're in week 12, week 13, week 14. We, we know kind of what we're getting from this year. But I think if you're in a keeper or dynasty league format where kind of watching these players grow matters more so than the season-long format, it's really especially important to me to watch how the Cardinals situation plays out. Christian Kirk just went on intra reserve, but I thought he was a guy that was getting taken really late in season-long drafts that really presented a lot of value. But in dynasty and keeper formats, he's probably going to be a top 50, top 75 talent overall, overall in the near future. And I think really Steve Wilkes is kind of holding him back in that sense. If and when Larry Fitzgerald retires, Kirk is going to be the only receiving option on that team outside of David Johnson. And he'll be able to make good on that promise. But to watch how that offense unfolds without him is going to be important. If they struggle even more so than they have this year, I think it'll be really telling as to how impactful Christian Kirk, is, Christian Kirk was in his rookie season. Uh, you look at the Packers and Mike McCarthy. I sure hope Joe Philbin doesn't get a bunch of wins because I could see the Packers then deciding to sign him to a two- or three-year contract and then having this whole Mike McCarthy situation kind of run its course again with Philbin as the head coach. But if that were to happen, a guy like Marquez, Valdez, Scantling, even the quantity of St. Brown 
are going to be two receivers that kind of have to go off in the next weeks. And I do expect Aaron Rodgers to look better because he kind of was pouting, kind of putting up a little bit of an attitude recently as the quarterback. And whether or not that was because of Mike McCarthy, I don't think we'll ever find out. But I do know he's probably going to end up playing better with a guy that he feels more comfortable with and a guy that, well, at least getting his way in the fact that Mike McCarthy was fired directly after that Cardinals game. Joe Bertle joining us from RotoWire.com and RotoWire Magazine. Now, this doesn't really happen in football as much as maybe basketball. We think it does anyway. But uh, any sense that tanking is going to happen? I've, I've got I've got some good players. They're maybe not on a, uh, a really hot team. And there's a chance that, say, if they lose the rest of their games, like the Bengals, they're going to get a top-five draft pick. Are you leery of anything like that happening? Does that even factor in to uh, fantasy football these days? I don't think it would factor in this week, and maybe even not next week when we have our last show. But if you look at towards week 16 and week 17, I do really think it matters. And not just for the losing perspective, you can also see teams winning and then benching their players, too, so they don't get hurt from the playoffs. So that's actually more of a concern when it comes towards the final weeks of the regular fantasy season than it is so much teams tanking. Like Teams can tank and put out different talents out there. That actually makes more free agent waiver wire guys available for you to utilize if you have to in those weeks 15, 16, 17. It's the concern that I have when guys like Tom Brady, who Patriots should have the AFC East Division locked up shortly, uh, those kind of players that are pivotal for your fantasy team and then get benched in those final two weeks, that is more concerning. And frankly, if you're in the fantasy playoffs, you should be preparing accordingly for maybe a guy like Tom Brady or the Rams, for example, if the Seahawks even lose one more game, I think there's a situation where Jared Goff or Todd Gurley could be benched. Uh, like those, the Saints too, those types of teams, you kind of have to be mindful of uh, in case that they decide, hey, we've already got this playoff position locked up, let's make sure our guys are healthy come the playoffs. It's good advice because uh, playoffs are coming up. And uh, are there any year in and year out or anything that are mistakes that you see uh, people you talk to, you work with, uh, you advise that do that maybe uh, you can suggest to people not to do who are listening? Yeah, at this point of the year, I think I see a lot of people um, try to make too many major adjustments to their team. There's a reason you made to the playoffs. And more likely than not, it's because your team was good and you made sound decisions. Trust your gut would be the, the number one like fantasy analysis or expertise I'd give to anyone at this point in the season. Like you, you got here for a reason. Go with what your gut is telling you and don't try to overthink things. That can make so many different problems happen afterwards. Like you could be debating with two, two, two players. You have one guy in your lineup. You change him on Sunday, Sunday afternoon right before the game start. And oops, that player ends up struggling way worse than the guy you had in there initially. I've seen it time and time again. Over-tinkering is always a problem. The other thing I'd suggest is just being conscious, like I mentioned earlier, of the guys that could be not playing in Week 16 and Week 17, like the Patriots, like the Rams, or the Saints or Chiefs. If they don't have anything to play for, so you bench their top guys, that probably got you to this point. Planning accordingly, acquiring a quarterback that could be filling in for a Tom Brady or Patrick Mahomes or picking up Malcolm Brown, the backup for Todd Gurley, might be a pivotal thing to do, especially if two or three roster spots. At this point in the year, you probably know who your starting lineup is. So getting your bench filled up with guys that could come in if they have to in situations like I just described is probably more important than having a you know, just a guy that's going to get 10 points, whatever, week in and week out on your team. Those guys aren't as important anymore when it's win or go home in the playoffs. 
Joining us from rotowire.com and rotowire magazines, Joe Bartle. Now, uh, he does all this and more at rotowire.com also for the magazine. And he also even gives away some of his content for free over at the website. Crazy, right? You guys are giving more stuff away than anybody. Yes, yeah. I mean, we really are. And uh, we've been tinkering a lot with our uh, daily fantasy optimizer, too. And I think by the time we get around to the playoffs, we actually do daily fantasy optimizers for the playoffs, too. You're going to see a pretty well-improved RotoWire uh, lineup, which is, I think, free for just a basic, um, basic lineup optimizer. I think if you want to get more in depth and kind of tinker with some more things, there's just a five-month subscription uh, fee for per month for the football section, and it kind of goes the same thing for NHL and NBA, which I also cover quite frequently for RotoWire too. And all those optimizers for daily fantasy are free, and of course the rankings are free too, which I utilize quite a bit. And even some of the defensive versus, uh, defenses versus positioning tools are free as well. There's a lot of different stuff that, of course, if you want to get in the nuts and bolts of fantasy, you've got to pay a little bit extra for it. But a lot of the primetime information that you can use to make some of your lineup decisions is free and readily available on the RotoWire site. Right, and not just football. It's it's hockey, basketball, everything right now. Just in, uh, Charlie McAvoy from Boston is taking off the IR I can activate him now. He's on my fantasy hockey roster. So, again, you guys are not just doing football. You're doing everything, and a lot of this stuff is free content, and you've got so much more, but the free stuff is really cool as well. Yeah, and who knows? We'll be doing XFL maybe in, like, two weeks, and you'll have me on talking about that too, and I can talk about all the great free features that RotoWare provides for the XFL or the AFL. You know what? I'm going to do that. If if that happens, we we're doing it. We're we're doing it. But uh, well, I think we have to do it now. Yeah, we have to. We're we're going to have to. There's going to be XFL. We're we're just going to do it. Um, so just plan on being a a feature for of this show for a long time until you get tired of us. All right. Well, then I guess we're going to be doing it for about 15 to 20 years. That'll be perfect. Okay, I'm good with that. That'll be uh that'll be pretty much um I'll be past retirement age. But you know what? Actually, no. Actually, I'll probably be right at retirement. So that'll be perfect for me. Let's do it. All right, then we'll sign me up then. We're, oh. we're booking for 15, 20 years down the road. I think that sounds like a great idea. That sounds like a plan. Joe Bartles joining us, rotowire.com, rotowire magazine. Uh, good talking to you again. We'll do it again next week, and then uh, we'll prepare our XFL coverage. <laughs> sounds good. Hopefully my voice will be better suited for the radio next week. Oh, man, you were fine. You were fine. Don't worry about that. You were great. <laughs> thank thank oh, you, sir. Don't make me blush. <laughs> appreciate it. Thanks, buddy. We appreciate it. Talk to you soon next week. That is Joe from rotowire.com. Again, rotowire, perfect site if you like fantasy sports, and uh, I've gotten into it a lot more. So I've learned a lot, not just from football, but for other teams and other leagues. And if you want to do it as well, uh, that's a great jumping place to start on. Not jump off, jump on is rotowire.com. Appreciate those guys for for helping me out every week. We're going to take our first break, come back. We're going to talk a little herd basketball with you. I've got Dan D'Antoni's comments from last night. Wasn't happy. Um, I think – when he got to the media, he was a little softer than he was with Steve. He wasn't mad at Steve. He was just mad. So we've got his comments when he talked to the media last night, and we'll take your phone calls as well. This is The Drive. We are presented by Beltone Hearing Aid Center on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Paul Swan has the wheel on The Drive, ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Welcome back to the Thursday, December 6th edition. I'm your host, Paul Swan. We thank Belltone Hearing Aid Center for being our presenting sponsor here on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Our producer this afternoon, Gabriel Sellers. We're taking your phone calls 
877-420-TALK. That is 877-420-8255. Now, last night, Thundering Herd took on Duquesne and fell short. I don't know how many of you watched the game. I watched uh, it here in the station and listened to Steve Cotton. Kind of got a, a pretty good take on what happened. And they just don't look right right now. I don't know how to put my finger on it, and that's not really a technical term. They just don't look right. And you're going to hear from Dan in a minute. He feels right now it's just more about me, 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 me. It's what he said. And C.J. Burks got his. He was 10 of 15. John Elmore did not get his. He was 2 of 11. Rondell Watson did not get his. He was 4 of 11. Jared West wasn't on the court that much. He was 2 of 5. You didn't see much of him. You didn't see much of uh, Jansen Williams. Now, part of that, though, of course, uh, foul trouble. Rondell Watson, you didn't see uh, as much of him as you would like to have, but he was out there for 30 minutes, and he was in foul trouble as well. Uh, John Elmore had uh, three fouls. Aran Bennett had four fouls. Um, You saw some guys out there just – I kind of questioned some of the shot selection as well. And I love John Elmore. He's he's one of my favorite herd players. I like all these guys. And I think John's got a great game. But sometimes maybe John's got to distribute it a little bit better, a little bit more. I know you want to put the team on your shoulder sometime and, and go out there. And I'm not just saying John. It's just – there's some options open. You got to go out there and work it. Sometimes you can still get your your points, but if you look at where John got his points, it was the free throw line, seven of nine. He got twelve points. CJ got his from the three point line, four of seven. Uh, he hit two of five from the free throw line, and uh, he had twenty six points total. But a great point that came up last night on our post game. I want to echo it again. Here's what the shots look like. Jansen Williams, three shots. Jared West, five shots. C.J. Burks, 15. Rondell Watson, 11 shots. John Elmore, 11. Tavion Kinsey, he had six. Aran Bennett had one. Again, foul trouble. He wasn't out there that much. He was out there 15 minutes. Darius George had six shots, and Byers had three. You look at Duquesne, who... They shot well. That's the thing. Another great shooting performance from a team that had not been doing well shooting. Ohio did it on the herd. Duquesne did it on the herd. Duquesne does not shoot 57.9% on average for a game, and that's what they pulled last night. They were 33 of 57. Marshall was 28 of 61. And... This was just a team that was able to hit more shots. They took less shots, and they hit more. That's pretty efficient. I don't know if you're just going to have to play better defense, get a, get a hand in somebody's face, what the deal is going to be. But I think defense is going to be something the herd's got to focus on. Not panicking. This is not a situation where the team's in a dumpster fire right now, and you don't hit the panic button. But... You look at this game, and you can be a little concerned. There's hope. It's not a lost season. This is just a loss on the road where the herd's not done well so far. And Marshall's got an opportunity to come back to the Henderson Center, get a 
win over Toledo. We'll look at that game in more depth tomorrow. But Marshall's got some things to work on right now. But Duquesne, I just want to bring this point up, they had balanced shooting. Lewis Kidd had 15. Marcus Weathers had 11. Michael Hughes had 20. Carey Kidd, Sincere Carey, 19. And they had, I think, a wealth of shooters here. Lewis had six looks at it. Hughes had five. Weathers had seven. Um, the other Hughes, Michael Hughes, had nine. There's Frankie Hughes and there's Michael Hughes. And uh, Michael was the one that scored 20. He had nine looks. Um, Sincere Carey had nine looks. And they had a few other guys that had uh, a few looks as well. It's better spread out than what Marshall did last night. Hustle points belong to uh, – it was a mix, really. Uh, I'll say this, Marshall Marshall lost that game in the first half. They battled back in the second half. But turnovers were a problem early. Marshall becomes a better team in the second half, I think. They win the turnover battle, but I thought it was a moot point at that point. Uh, they finished the game with 17 turnovers. Duquesne had 19. Duquesne got 46 points in the paint, Marshall only 30. Marshall did win the battle against turnovers by scoring 27 compared to Duquesne's 23. Second chance points, Marshall actually did have the advantage there, 14 to 9. Fast break points belong to Duquesne, 19 to 11. Bench port points, uh, minimal, but still the advantage was to Duquesne, 22 to 19. But really the numbers that speak the loudest are Duquesne shooting 59, I'm sorry, 57.9%. Seven of eight from three, which was good enough for almost 39%. Marshall shooting 45.9% and nine of 20 from the three-point line. But the big number there is Hurd shooting 45%, almost 46. Duquesne shooting almost 40, I'm sorry, 58%. Dan D'Antoni, not happy. By the time he got to the media last night, he was uh, a little bit better, a little softer. And here's what Dan said to the media last night after the loss. After the Ohio game, you said you kind of had to get back to um, what you wanted to do. And what you wanted to do, it started out, the game started out, sure started out great. Well, not really, because we, we haven't started playing as a we. We're playing as me, me, and me, and a little more me. So, it, you know, whether the score doesn't really matter until we learn how to play as a week. And then we got a great chance to have a great ball club. And I, I feel confident they're going to get that done. But we had a guy come in and speak to him first this season. When you win a championship, the biggest problem you'll have is when you come back. You come back as a me instead of a we. We had a we last year. And, and I told him I was most proud. I saw the bench coalesce around the starters. And all of us formed together as one group. We haven't gotten back to that. And it's a temptation to see championships and try to massage it and just sort of say, hey, we are Marshall. Let's go out and play like that. And I got full confidence these kids will get that done. You're talking about the ball movement there on the sideline. Did you find that that picked up there towards the end? Yeah, we, we had a little brief run at it. We had one in the first half, got a dunk. Then I was talking to him about not quick plays, just making hockey passes, get it moving, and then go. 
come right back down. We're trying one, one's trying to beat them all instead of just moving the ball a little bit. And then toward the end there, we took it down to five points. We were moving the basketball and just had too big a hill to climb. But hopefully, hopefully they'll see this lesson. I'm never positive sure about anything on down the road, but uh, I, I believe in these kids and support them, and I, I believe they'll come back. Everybody makes mistakes. And our team's making a mistake right now. I feel confident they're going to correct it. Um, when you got down to the five points, um, what do you say to the guys at that point? It, it didn't work out tonight, but when you get down to that five points, is there something special you say to them on the sides? No, you just, you know, I, I'd like to have that magic wand. I, I'd wave it out there if I thought there was one, but there's not. They just have to play it out. But when you get down like we did and try to pull it all the way back, and this is a good ball club. That's very difficult. It happens once in blue moon, but most time it's not going to happen. I thought we did a good job. We started moving the ball. I think there's some things we can show on film to help us. So, you know, it's early in the year. We've got a long way to go. Like I said, three years ago, five and three, I'd have been jumping up and down. So, yeah, it is what it is. We'll get there. That's Dan Tony. his thoughts after the game last night. I think it's got a good point. It's not a team yet. They haven't gelled. They haven't coalesced yet. So he's got some work to do. You've got the components. You're missing a, a component. And I swore last night I would not mention his name. And I'm not going to mention Ideen Panetta's name. But I'm just wondering, how big of a component was he really? It feels like he was a big part of what that team was last year. And so... The herd's got to step up on defense. They've got to play as a unit, not worry about who gets their shot, but instead worry about who can get the best shot. Because honestly, we're not concerned about records. Players are a little bit. They like that kind of thing. But ultimately, at the end of the day, the only thing you're concerned about as a fan and as a player you should be is did the team win? And that's what Dan's looking for right now. We're going to take our next break. Come back. We'll get your phone calls in. 877-420-TALK. 877-420-8255. We've got more on the way. It's The Drive presented by Beltone Hearing Aid Center on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. You're listening to The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Welcome back to the Thursday edition. I'm your host, Paul Swan. We're presented by Belltone Hearing Aid Center on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Coming up this weekend, I want to remind you, we have got Thundering Herd basketball coming up. It's going to be in the afternoon. We're going to be at the Henderson Center. Thundering Herd's taking on Toledo. The Rockets getting into the MAC. Back in the MAC once again. We'll have that game for you right here on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Also, you can hear that game on 93.7 The Dog. Now, earlier we were talking about the beginnings of more football. So I'm kind of curious. You know the XFL is coming back. It's going to be a different version of the XFL. It's not going to be the circus it was, but... You've also got the Alliance of American Football coming back. They're going to begin in February. They're going to get the start. So if you like football, they're going to go right after pretty much the NFL, starting in February. They've got eight teams. It's going to be a 10-week regular season. They've got a gambling partnership with MGM. 
and they've got some some uh, money. They've got some money in there. And then they've got CBS, who's got television rights to the league. So CBS is going to be televising Alliance of American football games. Now the XFL comes back. They will come back in 2020, and they're going to have see they're going to have teams in New York, Dallas, Houston, Los Angeles, St. Louis, Seattle, Tampa Bay, and Washington D.C. They say they're looking for a fast-paced, family-friendly game, cheaper game tickets, fewer commercials. And I'm kind of curious, how are you going to pay for all this? That's my curiosity here, is how are you paying for this? The salaries are not going to be comparable to the NFL. I'll just tell you that right now. So players are going to find their way to this if they can't find a spot on an NFL roster. That's what I see happening here. I don't want to say we're going to see a bunch of also-rans. We're going to see some guys maybe that, at best, practice squad guys. Maybe some guys that just maybe have issues. I don't know. I'm kind of curious to see how this breaks down. But we're going to get our first taste of this in 2019 with the XFL's competitor now. Because really, the NFL doesn't probably see these guys as competitors. You shouldn't. The Alliance of American Football is your biggest competitor. And here's the thing. We talked about this earlier as well. If you missed it, there's a possibility that you could see a marquee name in the XFL possibly. You could see Colin Kaepernick. Yeah, that's right. Colin Kaepernick hasn't played for about two seasons now, and he could sign with the XFL. There's a prop bet going on right now if he's going to be the first quarterback to join the XFL. I'm kind of curious to see what happens. If you see Colin Kaepernick, there's some other names that have been thrown out there. You've got Johnny Manziel. He's been thrown out there. So could Manziel come and play for the XFL? You want to give football one more shot? Why not? Michael Vick, he could play in the XFL. There's some conversation that maybe Tim Tebow, and you never know, throw in Brett Favre's name. Why? Because, well, why not? I, I don't see I don't see Brett Favre doing it. But if I'm calling Kaepernick, I'm signing with this thing. Because he's going to be a draw. There will be some people who want to see him. There's going to be some media buzz off this thing. So you get you get Kaepernick signed. And you get him in this league, guess what? You've got something to talk about. But, again, the XFL might not be a fit for him. Because the XFL feels like it's a reaction to all of the, uh, all the social media conversation that's going on surrounding the NFL right now. I don't know if you sign Colin Kaepernick. I, I see Manziel hopping on this thing. I see Vic maybe being a possibility, and why not? These guys want to play football. Again, I love football, but after a certain amount, you get weary of it. You just get a little weary, and you're ready to just have the season rest and come back again. If we saw football every week, I mean, I know some of you love it, but for the majority, 
you're just ready for it to come to a conclusion. I don't want to necessarily watch the XFL or watch the other league, but somebody's going to say, oh, man, this is great. I'm going to get to watch football every week. Are you really? It's not that good. It's not that good. I like watching basketball. I like watching hockey. I like watching baseball. Football is king, but there's a reason why football is king. It's because the NFL is king. Everything else is a pale imitation professionally. We love college. College is the same game but different. There are some that even obsess over high school. There are some who obsess over midget league. But football is king, and it's primarily due to the NFL. But I'm curious to see what happens with the uh, XFL because they did learn some lessons the first time. I would try to be the alternative. That's what killed the USFL. For those of you who remember the USFL, I thought that was going to be the best alternate league for football fans. It was not direct competitor until um, a certain owner, who now resides in the White House, made a bad decision, which cost the USFL. We'll come back and wrap it up. Phone numbers, 877-420-TALK, 877-420-8255. We'll get more on the way. It's The Drive, ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Now, back to The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Don't forget, if you miss any part of the program, you can always go back and catch us on Apple Podcasts. We're on Stitcher Radio. Also, tune in. Spotify, Overcast, anywhere you get your podcasts is probably where you're going to find us. Of course, Don't forget to subscribe, especially if you subscribe to Apple Podcasts or if you're on Stitcher, don't forget to subscribe. Do me a favor, subscribe, hit the review link, give us a five-star ranking, give us the highest ranking you can, help uh, other people find the show. Leave us a nice review. If you do that, that'll help other people find the show as well. So I'm looking forward to seeing all the things you got to say about us. Say some nice things. Do me a favor. Help us out. More people will get to find the show, and then we can do more things as well as more people are finding the show. It's, it's a win-win for all of us here. And you can start doing that by getting on your phone, getting on your computer right now, and hit that subscribe button, hit that follow button, hit that ranking button, hit that review button, all that good stuff. You, you know how to do it, so now go do it. And I would appreciate it very much. So tomorrow on the show, we're going to look a little closer at Toledo. The Rockets are coming in. Thundering Herd have got a two-game homestand. It'll feature Toledo. And then the Thundering Herd will have Moorhead State on Monday. Then after that, Marshall's on the road for a while. So this is it. These are the last few days you can see the Thundering Herd for a while. They're going to go on the road. That might be good. Marshall's got to get some wins on the road. Marshall's got to find out how to win on the road. They haven't done it yet. They opened up on the road, won against Eastern Kentucky, and honestly, that was a great game. I'm glad they played it, but that was not a road test for the Thundering Herd. That was a game in which Marshall, at this point, should win and win a lot more than not. They did that, came home, Beat some good teams, beat some not-so-good teams. 
and then one on the road so far have not had success. But I can excuse Maryland. I can excuse that game. I'm not apologizing and not saying it was good that they lost. I'm just saying, hey, it's Maryland. They're going to be a really good team. Ohio, that's just a right. You know what? I think maybe the Ohio side of this rivalry heated up a little bit more. Those announcers for Ohio, they were excited about this win. I'm sure those kids were. Marshall's got to realize, hey, that's Ohio over there. You gotta, you gotta win that one. You gotta go after those guys. They think it's a big deal beating you. They're all jacked, ready to go. You need to remember what is at stake for herd fans as well. And then, of course, losing to Duquesne. The winnable game in my mind. Still some work to do for Marshall basketball. The good news is still a lot of basketball games. Do not hit the panic button. No worries there. Not yet. It's all good. That's going to do it for this edition of the program. We want to thank our producer, Gabriel Sellert. Also, Joe Bartle joining us from rotowire.com, Rotowire Magazine, helping us out with our fantasy football We're going to get him on next week and wrap it up. Hopefully you've got your playoff team ready to go. For Gabriel, I'm Paul. This has been The Drive, presented by Belltone Hearing Aid Center. Good night, everyone. WRBC Huntington, W227BS Huntington, ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Huntington Sports Station.